Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Angelique, who during her near-death experience went to the angelic realm, and today we're going to learn about it and more. Angelique, thank you for joining me and welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Angelique, can we start on the day that you had your NDE and go from there? Sure. So I'm 45 now, and this happened when I was 19. So when I was a teenager in my later teenage years, I got into drugs and uh, I got into raves, which there's a lot of drugs at raves. And I was at a rave and I had taken 20 sack of meth, um, a pill of ecstasy, had smoked weed, hadn't eaten very much. And at about four or five in the morning, somewhere around there, I wanted another pill of ecstasy. So I went to the guy that sold me the pill and asked him if he had any more. And he said, I don't have any more ecstasy, but I do have some PCP. Do you want some PCP? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I uh, took, bought this pill of PCP from him. It was huge, this giant horse pill and took that. And, um, I guess about an hour later, something like that. I wasn't looking at the clock the whole time. I started having an overdose and all of my friends were leaving to go to the after party. And I I couldn't, I was just in a really bad way. So I was taking a bath and um, trying to get some food in me. One of my friends had gone and gotten me some snacks and I started just feeling my entire body go numb. So my feet went numb and my legs went numb and it was just like moving up my body. And it was really freaking me out because at this point I'm at this hotel room all by myself in Cincinnati. And I, I started kind of freaking out. And then I started feeling my soul like being pulled out through the back of my head right here at the nape of my neck. And I kept using every bit of you know power I could muster to pull it back into my body so I don't know how long this particular struggle went on of like feeling myself go numb and then feeling my soul leave through the back of my my neck pulling it back in but it was very exhausting and I I knew I was dying I knew that if my soul left all the way out of my neck I would I would be gone so I was doing everything I could to keep pulling it back into my body. And at some point I got out of the tub, though I can't really remember like exactly the sequence of events, but sometime in between uh, getting out of the tub and passing out, I it was like I slipped into a whole different dimension. So my 
my memory of it is it's strange. It's like I was no longer in the hotel room. I was in some other space where it was really all energy. So um, in in my experience, it was probably because I was on so many drugs and particularly on PCP that my my experience of this energetic space was dark. Like it was, I remember looking kind of like worms and uh, just hard to explain, but it was, you know, gray and brown tones, kind of wormy and kind of grimy feeling. And, and I was, I was scared, like, where, where am I? And what is this? And I started praying. I started, I actually started praying when I was still in the tub, but I, I was really praying at this point and I was met with this huge energy. So it didn't really have, it didn't really look like anything other than like, if I were to put it into words so that someone could picture what it looked like, it was like what I imagine it would be like to stand on the beach and have a tsunami like right in front of your face. You'd be like, oh shit, you know? Um, it was like that. It was this tsunami of energy and it was extremely intimidating, extremely powerful, but benevolent. And benevolent and at the same time, very corrective. So I'm, I'm, I'm just in front of this giant energy and I'm asking, you know, I, I please save my life. I didn't, I didn't mean to, to kill myself. That, that wasn't my intent. And in this moment, I just started feeling all of these things like that I had wasted, you know, a gift that was given to me. And I felt so much shame and guilt and it was this incredible corrective experience that was just happening at rapid speed of me having awareness of what I had done to myself on a, on a really deep level. And of course the, the realizations I was having in that experience contributed to the prayer that I was saying at that time too. And then this tsunami of energy started interacting with me and, and speaking to me telepathically. And I called it God. And it said back to me, oh, a better name is Kashikta. And at the time, I had no idea what that word meant. Uh, but I said, okay. <laughs> and so uh, we continued this conversation about uh, the what life really is, the, the gift that it really is, and the, how I'd been disrespecting it. And and I said, you know, I I... I understand all of that right now. I can see it very clearly. And if I'm allowed to live, you know, I will, I will change my life. I'll stop doing these hard drugs. I will do whatever is asked of me. And at some point I passed out after this conversation was happening. And when I woke back up, obviously I was alive, but my life dramatically changed after that like number one uh I started having panic attacks like quite a bit after that because it was a very scary experience 
I lost all of my friends for a while. Uh, some of them I'm still, I'm still close friends with now. But at that time, you know, when you're on drugs and then you stop doing drugs, you know, you don't really have friends. But so I quit doing the hard drugs. I I detoxed off of everything myself and really started focusing on on my spiritual self and cultivating myself. And but I started having really strange mystical experiences after that. Like I wasn't I wasn't the same. I had always been a little different, I would say, but I was really different after that experience. It was like some wall between this world and another world got crashed down for me. And uh, every day for about a year, at the time I was managing a framing shop, I was uh, framing as in framing artwork because I'm an artist. And we did a lot of bulk, uh, you know, assembly line work which was the assembly line was me but it was like in large numbers you know so we didn't have a ton of individual clients we had like a few clients that had bulk orders for their stuff and and that's what I did pretty much the whole day was frame artwork and up until that point I'd always been an insomniac like I I had trouble sleeping my whole life and at at that point Every day at around noon, somewhere midday, I would get so, so tired that I would have to lie down on the table where I would do the framing and I would just pass out. And while I was passed out, like I couldn't move my body. I couldn't, I was completely paralyzed and I couldn't open my eyes, but I could hear all of these people, people talking around me. And um, I, I would wake up from that experience. And, I, and while I was under, I would try to wake up, but I couldn't. And I would try to make out what was being said around me, and I couldn't. But I, it was like there were just people like right there, right next to me, just tinkering around doing stuff. And this happened for like a year, every single day. And I, at this point now, I think that was probably some type of calibration that was occurring. I don't know, but it, uh, eventually it stopped. Um, and I also forgot to mention in my near-death experience, one of the conversations that I had with with that tsunami of energy that called itself Kashipta was I saw my funeral. So I was actually looking, I was looking at my funeral and it was really fascinating to me how many people were there and how many people loved me because I had really I really didn't think that many people like liked me or loved me so that was a very interesting experience to see my own funeral and and see how wrong I was that I actually had had this you know profound effect on people as I was and that contributed to me really wanting to live also because then I, I saw how many people I hurt and anyway, so back to the things that started happening to me afterwards. Uh, I also just started having really uh, in tune experiences where when people were talking to me, I could tell if like what the energy that was coming from them and the words they were saying weren't matching up. So I could I could 
I started to really be able to see people's inconsistencies and um, and then I was led to a, a woman who was a psychologist and a an American Native American shaman and I just felt so drawn to her I ended up studying with her for over a decade and she she was incredible um, so I studied with her I ended up apprenticing with her and the, my life was just very much geared after that near-death experience to the spiritual side of life and the metaphysical side of life, uh, understanding energy, and, and in particular, helping humanity with understanding energy. So when I was 34, I got really, really sick and almost died again. And after that experience, I was sitting in a restaurant one day and I, I felt something enter my body. I was actually sitting there with, with Keith and I told him, Keith is my husband, and I told him about it and we just kind of moved on. But then a little, little while later, I'm sitting at a table with a few of my friends. Keith was there also. And we're having a conversation about something. I don't even remember what it was, but I, uh, it was like one of those conversations where you have these questions and they're really deep questions and everyone's sitting there like, yeah, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know how to answer those. And I felt this energy enter my body, which was this energy that I'd been studying with because Gashita never left after, after my experience. That was just this ongoing relationship that I had that I actually didn't talk about. But uh, meanwhile, it was it was changing me. It was really changing me. And anyway, this day that my friends and I were talking, this energy moved into my body and started speaking to everyone. And Keith, my husband at the time, he was pretty freaked out by it. Like, what is like, who's talking to us? And uh, that was the beginning of what we started calling the messages from your heart, which the reason that we called it that was that training that I had been getting in regard to being able to tell when the energy coming from someone and what they were saying was congruent or not. We just start calling that the the energy from someone's heart or the you know the information and intention from someone's heart as opposed to the the words that they're saying and helping people to become congruent because the majority of people's suffering seems to come from them lying to themselves. And that that started my classes and then and my personal sessions in a nutshell. And it really just took off. People really loved uh, learning from us. It was me and Gashikta. And that's still going on to this day where, you know, essentially we we help people solve really any kind of problem through this method of just really being able to intently listen to what what they really want because what people tell themselves they want and what they actually want is often different and they have a hard time getting on the same page with it uh, helping them decipher the stories that they're telling themselves because that always stands in the way of being able to move forward and and then in addition to that we we just we teach people how to help others in this way 
So we've created an actual healing form, which is also for the physical body and for the emotional body, the spiritual body, the mental body, like the the entire integration of all of that. And we also created an eight fields Qigong form, which is about the integration of the eight fields, which I was taught taught about by Gushita also. And um we have we have ongoing classes and and students, you know, that, that will study with us for years and become quite masterful in their ability to to help others. So in a nutshell, that's that's my story. That's that's where I am now. Angelique, thank you for sharing your story with us. You mentioned that when you were down there, you were praying. Prior to this experience, were you a religious person? When I was younger, so I was raised, I was raised in a Christian household. Um, you know, especially my dad. Uh, my mom went kind of back and forth, and my parents divorced when I was five. And I was, so I was raised in in Christianity. So when I was younger, I was definitely religious. And then as I got older, I you know began to question things, and. I went through some some trauma as a younger child as my, some of my mother's boyfriends that we lived with were very abusive. And so I was very skeptical of you know what was being taught in religion and and I was very turned off by the hypocrisy that I saw within it. So I would say that you know I'm I moved in and out of religious for a while and then eventually just checked it and but I was always spiritual you know I I really did always feel a, some type of connection to an energy that's greater than me to a you know a force that's greater than me and I I, I just couldn't ever deny that you know you, you can feel it all the time when you're around other people when you're in nature it's it's always there. So I would say I've been spiritual, but not necessarily always religious. But as far as, you know, being really diligent in any spiritual practices or anything before having my near-death experience, definitely not. At first, you thought Kishikta was God. I'm assuming it's a he or she. I'm not sure. It's just a, it's a, it's a lot. It's a entire energy. So the way that Gashikta describes it is that there's no, there's not like the human experience is a particular separation experience. And in the angelic experience, it's not, it's not like that. It's more connected. So since Gashikta is not God, would you say it is just some kind of being on the other side or an angel? It's not just one, so it's not, it's, it's hard to split apart energy when you're not in these separate forms, right? So the way I understand it is, like, one of the things that Gashikta says is we're all offspring of the great creator of life, or the great source of life. And in that way, in, in, a, in a spiritual sense, we're all brother and sisters. And that from Gashikta's vantage point, because it's the, uh, the awareness and the perception 
is from a space of absolute connectedness through spirit because the function of the angelic realm is not to have a, an individualized experience like the function of the human experience is to have an individualized separate type experience. It's, it's just, it isn't like being a human with this one personality and, and everything. It's more of the existence of oneness. So it doesn't feel like just one separate, you know, being. It's more of a, a, a connection space. Do you think it's a collective of beings or even bigger than that? Like you're just kind of communicating with the unified field of energy on the other side. and Yeah, I think it's more something like that. It, that's definitely how it feels to me when, you know, I'm in that space of combining with Kashikta's energy. It's, I really get to experience connection and it is a very, very different experience the way it feels than than being human because being human feels very separate and you know the i think one of the main things we deal with is forgetting our connection to everything and forgetting what we really are and my experience with being able to feel gashikta's perspective and vantage point is it's a it's a perspective and vantage point of absolute connection. So it's very, very difficult in that space of absolute connection to differentiate between God or angels or humans because it's all energy that's that's connected. So even though I said God, I would still say that the energy of Vishita is God, but it was I feel like what was being said to me in that moment was number one let's not use that word because there's too many ideas of what that word means and number two let's use a word that you don't even know so that you aren't able to attach it to anything in this moment other than this energy that you're interacting with and it was it was later that so my dad's a theologian he's a very beautiful and intelligent man who's translated, you know, lots of the books of the Bible and the, you know, like Gospel of Thomas and those types of things. And when I told him finally about my my experience, he said, what? What was the name that was given to you? And I said, Geshita. And he goes, do you know what that word means? And I said, no. And he said, and by the way, this is only about five years ago this happened. And he said, that word means history and story. In German. And what's interesting is in the study of theology, that word is used to describe the holy history. So that that's when I learned about that word. And uh, to me, it feels kind of like a, um, a source of levity for the the energy that I met of like, because what, what Geshikta is always saying to me and our students is stop being so attached to names and tr stop trying to make everything fit into your boxes and, and try to see from different vantage points because not everything is like a human experience. Do you feel that Geshikta specifically chose that name because at some point it would have meaning for you? Yeah, I do. 
Yeah. When you were falling asleep at work and you would see and hear other things, do you think that you were slipping into another dimension? Yeah, I I think something strange like that was happening. And I think that, I think, like I said, I think I was being calibrated or something. It felt like, it felt like a merging of, of dimensions, like the one I was in and this other one crossed in this time. And and when it, that cross was happening, I couldn't be awake for it. Like I had to be in a quasi dream state. It wasn't really, it wasn't really a dream state. Like I've never had sleep like that other than that year that that was going on. And it was very strange because I would just go out really fast and then I could still hear, but I couldn't move my body. Like I would just be completely still and I would try it was like my awareness was there in such that I could hear and I'm like oh what is going on here but I couldn't open my eyes I couldn't move my body and I couldn't make out what was being said but my body in that in that time of having that kind of paralysis it also felt euphoric like I felt it wasn't painful or anything like that it was hard to explain but it felt good it was just strange do you communicate with Gashita in dreams or do you get downloads well i communicate with Gashita all the time and definitely i have dreams where i i can tell that you know i'm being communicated with in that way but i'm so open to it i don't even need that i mean i can just number one i can slip into channel mode anytime and number two i can I just I've trained myself to have that that open door and to know what it feels like and what it there's a different texture to the communication with Gashikta as opposed to like the communication with my own mind. And I've just trained myself how to listen. To me, it appears that you're channeling Gashikta, right? Mm -hmm. I do. Mm hmm. Would you say that you're a conscious channel and you're aware of what's being said, or is it more like a trance? No, I'm very conscious of the whole thing. That's why it, I, in the very beginning when it started happening, I couldn't remember what was being said. And I would have to go back and listen to recordings. And I would be really exhausted afterwards. But, you know, I've been doing this for over a decade now. And I'm very conscious now. i and it, it's really cool because I actually, whatever is being said to students or clients, I get to experience energetically what's being said. So I get uh, such a deep level of comprehension of, of what's being uh, emitted, what's being explained and all of that. And, you know, words are the tip of the iceberg the the majority of what's being taught is energetic and it's through a you know it's it's like to to really teach something energetic you have to embody it first and then you emit the energetic transmission of that reality so i get to experience that for hours on end because the you know what's being taught has already been completely understood and culminated and comprehended and established in the energetic sense when it's coming through me. 
So I get really, really, really deep downloads of, of understanding about many different concepts. Can you share with us some of the most impactful things that you've learned while channeling Kashikta? Oh, gosh. If you want to narrow it down, maybe some things that were like shocking or really surprising to you. Well, you know, to, one of the things that's been the most profound for me is the experience of the, the, the truth of our existence, you know, the, which is that we are energetic beings first. And not only are we energetic beings first, but in, in that sense of energy, it's this incredible, beautiful love energy. And, you know, in this, in this world, we use the word love for all kinds of things that we just kind of diminish the word. But in the experience of true connection, which is, you know, without all these filters of fear and worry and doubt and self-loathing and you know needing to get ahead and all of this stuff there's this purity to who we really are and what we begin as and being able to feel that over and over and over again and being able to teach that and being able to apply that energy to help other people heal is it's it's priceless and indescribable because what it's helped inside me is have less and less and less fear because the majority of our experience, we don't even realize it because we're, we're so conditioned to it, but the majority of our experience is fear-based. You know, we, we make so many decisions out of fear and we don't even realize we're doing it. And we, we're constantly afraid of some type of loss. And that fear of loss keeps us from moving forward in ways that we really would if we didn't have the fear. It keeps us from interacting with people in a way that we would, that wouldn't be manipulative if we weren't acting out of fear. Like it, fear distorts us so, so much. And the fear comes from essentially fear of death. The fear of death comes from us feeling like we're separate and we're just conditioned to it because that's just what our experience is. But I get to experience what it's like to actually know eternity and what it's like to, to know that there's no beginning and no end, which being human, all we know is a beginning and an end. And I get to experience what it's like to feel true connection and what it's like to, to truly know energetically that you know, death is not the end. And that has, that has made such a profound impact on me because I, I've had a lot of fear in my life. And certainly with my children, you know, I have two boys, you know, fear of loss with your children is just immense. And to be able to feel that, you know, this is, this truly is just kind of a poop of time, you know, in this strange existence we have that's very, very short in the 
in correlation to eternity. So it's this ability to feel, oh, we certainly move in and out of form. And yet the energy that is us is constant. And if the energy is us is constant, then we never actually lose each other. That, that's been the most profound for me is, is to be able to feel that. What has Geshekta revealed to you about the purpose of our lives? It's a good question. Uh, in a nutshell, what I understand as the you know overreaching purpose is that first we have to understand that the uh, the source of of the energy of life itself, in its absolute state of allness, oneness desired to know itself through being separate. And the reason that it desired to know itself through being separate is because in the experience of separation would be this entire other creation of experience that would be the opposite of what it knew itself to be. And the, the purpose of that is really the essence of creativity which is the essence of life itself, creative energy, and the essence of, how do I say it? Curiosity. So in, in the nature of something that is eternal and that can't die, creativity and curiosity are at the forefront. And so this, this energy, this beautiful, loving, intelligent energy just wanted to know what it was like to experience itself through separation and then choose oneness. So, you know, in, in the experience of separation, the, the idea of mastering our lives is about the ability to choose absolute connection over everything else. And when you really look at, at humanity and, and the dysfunction of humanity, the dysfunction lies ultimately in the lack of connection and the lack of accountability, right? Pretty much those two things. If you can give, if you can help someone be fully accountable and you can help someone put connection at the top of their priorities, whether it's connection to self, connection to God, connection to the energy of life, connection to others. And that individual also learns how to be fully accountable for oneself. Someone can pretty much heal everything in their lives with that focus and that attitude. And that kind of sets the groundwork for every other purpose that exists. But overall, the, the, the overreaching purpose is to choose connection through separation. Do you have any tips for us to get over the fear of death? You know, that's an interesting question because, you know, I feel like I have been really blessed in that area to be able to experience what I have. Because otherwise, I think that the the fear of death is 
very, very strong and prominent because we are in these experiences where our emotions are so intense. And when we love, we love intensely. And we we don't like the thought of everything we've worked for being gone and of forgetting everything. And we don't like the idea of not knowing what comes next. My my advice is to really cultivate a relationship with the the pure energy of life, you know, so and to be open to what that means, because the it doesn't really some people will call it different things, you know, some people will call that that pure energy of life Jesus, some people will call that pure energy of life God, some people will call that pure energy of life nature, you know, it who are we to say what what name it really has and and who are we to to think that we really comprehend the magnificence and totality of that but when we cultivate a connection with that energy and it's an it's an eternal essence it's it you can feel it in everything you can you can feel that in the energy of nature when one thing dies the energy of it moves into something else and everything in nature works to bring that energy into life as something else so there's this obvious movement of energy that's occurring and there's this obvious benevolence that's occurring too to support more and more and more life no matter where you're looking in life and to be able to tune into that energy to tune into that benevolent force that keeps moving forward no matter what no matter how much pain we perceive or or any or how much destruction we perceive it continues to move forward it continues to offer more life you know it's absolutely generative and to be able to tune into that is essential because when you tune into that you actually feel it in you too we are part of that eternal force and to be able to tune into that in ourselves to be able to tune into that in others is to connect with that which doesn't die and if we can as humans can learn to cultivate our awareness of that connection then it's not so horrific when we move in and out of form or when others that we love move in and out of form because we've trained ourselves how to actually connect to their essence that eternal essence that lives in everything and if we can train ourselves to tune into that eternal essence then we can know not believe we can know that we're a part of something that is ongoing and that nothing is lost or gone forever what inspires you about your nde well you know at this point i don't think about my near-death experience very much anymore unless you know i'm asked about it or i'll often you know if if people don't know what's going on in in my teachings i'll i'll introduce myself with it just for their comprehension of what's occurring but as far as me really thinking about it i don't really think about it i find that the as i've gotten older i feel that it's 
it was a very important experience for me to become who I am now. And I've listened to other people's near-death experiences too, and I find it fascinating how they're all very different. And it seems to me that near-death experiences are perpetually making people that have them more in tune with the energy of life and more open, more connected. And so I can't help but wonder if a near-death experience is as unique as a dream. You know, it's it's specific to whoever's having it, and it's for a specific purpose in launching that life forward in a way that will bring something beneficial to the rest of the world, you know, because ultimately whatever happens in those experiences, those of us who have it are trustees of the experience and, and what happens with it. And it's always for, it always seems to be for a, a greater purpose. And therefore, I find the most inspiring thing to be how it's, they seem to be individually tailored for a greater purpose. And I can see how mine was also. You mentioned that you are an artist, and it appears that there are some of your work behind you on the wall. Have you ever painted anything that represents Kashekta? Mm, no, but I have gone into channel mode and painted. Mm. And um, so like this one right here is one that was done that way. And, but as far as, I, I don't really try to paint Kashekta because it's not, like I said, Kashekta doesn't have any form for me. Like there's literally no form. It's the... It's an experience and it's a it's it's a it's an intelligence and an energy that I have the privilege of interacting with on a daily basis. So it's very difficult to paint that because it's it's more it's easier for me to just be it. And then whatever the paintings that come out of me are are an extension of it, you know. Do you have to prepare to channel Geshekta or does it just happen spontaneously? Well, I was taught a song by Geshekta when I was in my early 20s. So I and and the purpose of the song is to be able to tune exactly to the energy that I'm connecting with. So but every time before I channel, I sing that song. Does Kashita talk about reincarnation? And if so, why do we have to keep coming back over and over again? Yeah, Kashita has talked about reincarnation quite a bit. And one of the things that that they say is that number one, we think of reincarnation as this, you know, kind of treachery, like, oh God, I'm back here again. And because once we're here, we're so entrenched in the experience of separation and the experience of suffering that the idea of coming back over and over and over again is hideous to us. But when we're not stuck in the middle of the experience of separation, 
we don't have that same opinion. We don't have that same viewpoint of it. So we're constantly kind of in this battle between what it's like to be human and separate and what it's like to be the our spirit self or our soul self connected to everything. And that it's pretty much impossible to understand reincarnation from a separatist perspective and go, oh, yay, warm and fuzzy reincarnation, especially because the the reality that we live in is really harsh. Because overall, humanity has not done a very good job of cultivating ourselves as a whole. If we had, it wouldn't be so it wouldn't be so thick and uh, there wouldn't be so much dread. But when when we're looking at reincarnation from the aspect of the soul self, which is eternal and coming in and out of form for, you know, an adventure, it's it doesn't have that same heaviness to it. So it's it's a matter of perspective and being able to move into a different perspective that's not so weighted down by this experience of separateness in this particular reality that which is pretty harsh after watching this podcast people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions are you open to that yeah what's Absolutely. the best way to reach you uh through my email angel gashita there's no hyphen just a n g e l g e s c h i c h t e at protonmail.com do you have a YouTube channel? I do. What's the name of that? I believe it's Angel Gashikta and Keith Coley, my husband. He's a Chinese medical practitioner, and so we we do a lot of work together also. What kind of content do you publish there? Uh, there's different teachings, uh, different healing treatments. There's things on there called um, energetic alchemies or emotional alchemies where we will take someone from or take a group of people from a, a heavy dysfunctional state into a lighter and functional state. Um, that's And then there's some interviews on there. There's just some short blogs on there or vlogs on there from me. Yeah. And then Keith does energetic treatments on there too. So that's pretty much what you'll find. What's the name of your website? Angelgeshikta.com. So A-N-G-E-L hyphen G-E-S-C-H-I-C-H-T-E.com. Angel, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Yeah, my positive message is that the the essence of life is beautiful and that the the energy of life is here to assist us to love us to support us and it's imperative that we learn how to be friends with the energy of our own life because we get stuck into these ways of thinking and believing that our life is out to get us that our our life hates us and therefore we're being punished consistently and that our hardships are about punishment but our hardships aren't about punishment our hardships are about learning and cultivating our character to become the essence of what we really are, the purity of what we really are 
in a separate form. And in order to do that, we've got to begin a communication and a connection with the energy of our own life uh, that's that embodies friendship and that embodies cooperation. And we've got to be willing to learn from our lives, learn what our lives are trying to teach us and work toward harmony with that, not trying to control it or, you know, be angry and forceful with it, but instead be in a perpetual state of receiving and a perpetual state of humility of what is this great energy of life trying to teach me? And how can I harmonize with the teaching in a way that benefits me and everything around me? Angel, thank you for that message and thank you for being my guest. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.